Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Before the Downbeat, a musical podcast. I am your ginger host, Mackenzie, and our Canadian B. Arthur director extraordinaire, John Adams of Canadian Theatre, the Charlie Brown to my Snoopy, Autumn Smith is currently away on a theater contract, uh, so she will be out for a few episodes this season, but she will be back in time for our big 50th episode. And her and I have set up some fun content for you while she is away, and just like we did reviews of Cats, The Prom, we have, an, we have another film review for you. And to do it with me, I have a wonderful co-host. I am excited to announce he is my friend, as well as a frequent guest on on Cup of Hemlock Theater's channel. He is none other than the wonderful Graham McClellan. Hello, Graham. Hello, Mackenzie. So good to be here and excited to be involved in the conversation this episode. Honestly, so, so looking forward to this. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I, I can say today we are doing a film review of the Tony Award winning musical, Dear Evan Hansen. Produced by Mark Platt, father of our star Ben Platt, and it was directed by Perks of Being a Wallflower director, Stephen Chabotsky. Yes. And for those of you who are wondering, like, well, when are they going to do In the Heights? We do have an In the Heights review planned. We will be talking about it at some point. Just that's on the docket, but we felt this one came, this one, this one is, is when we were able to line up first because Graham was a wonderful human being and he actually reached out to us before the movie came out and said, if you guys are going to talk about it and you need someone to kind of join the panel, let me know. And Autumn was like, I can't be there, but you and Graham should definitely do it. So Graham, let's first start off with, how did you come to Dear Evan Hansen? Is this a musical you were a big fan of when it came out on Broadway? Were you excited for this movie musical? What are your initial kind of background on this piece? Well, initially I found it just because I was listening to musicals on Apple Music, like mm -hmm. you do. And Dear Evan Hansen was like a suggested, like, if you like this, I don't even remember <laughs> what I was listening to, but it's like, if you like this, you might like this. So I looked on the page and saw um, it, it, it kind of highlighted, you will be found. And so I right. listened to you will be found. And I'm like, wow, this is a really rousing, like, mm -hmm. end, end of act number. This sounds great. Let's listen to the rest of the show. <laughs> and it was kind of just, it caught me. By surprise, I just kind of stumbled upon it. So I didn't go looking for it. I didn't know that it was, you know, on Broadway in 2017. I didn't, like, mm -hmm. look into it. And then when I got the chance to see it when it came to Toronto, where I, um, li where I am living, uh, I, I, of course, leapt for it. Because I'm like, this had a good number, like, musical score. I was very yeah. happy with the music, lots of toe tappers. So let's go see it. And so I saw it live. And then when I heard there was a movie being made, I was like, all right. Let's go see this, too. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you asked my opinion of it uh, yet, but 
Well, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, like you can give your initial. Well, uh, no, let's hold because we do get into the we, we do get into adaptation, and that's where we can talk more about the stage show as well. So let's let's hold that for for a minute. Uh, for me, I will say uh, I came to this through the Tony Awards. This is actually a show my dad knew a little bit more about than I did. And he's like a theater dad. Like he's all like he like he likes to read up on stuff, and he. And he liked Ben Platt's voice. He was like, yeah, we should, like definitely like let me know when we get to this performance on the Tony Awards. And of course, it was the last one of the night, which is the dead giveaway that this is going to win. And mm-hmm. it was it, it was pretty much the favored one to win, even though I was really rooting for Come From Away that year. So when Come From Away didn't win, I was quite ticked off. Let's just say I was I was I, I was not happy about that. And then when I read it uh, up on the plot, I I was even more uh upset i've never seen it live i've watched some bootlegs i listened i bought the album once once it won the tony awards so i can really kind of give it its fair shake and i do agree with you there is some beautiful uh music in here absolutely stunning work um, i mean it's done by uh the same duo who did like greatest showman la la land so so they're, so they're, they're on a bit of a hot streak we can say like their music is very kind of in the pol- in the cultural zeitgeist as it were they have a very distinct sound, like the whole, mm-hmm. like the whole you, um, you will be found number. Even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need someone to carry you, when you're broken on the ground, you will be Sounds like what's that one from Greatest Showman, the big anthem song? Um, um, oh, what is that called? This is Santa, me. This is me. Yes, it sounds like a very much like this is me. I'm gonna send a bird, gonna drown a This is brave, this is bruised, this is who I'm meant to be. This is me. <laughs> As soon as I heard that they were the same composed, like the same musical duo who yeah. did Greatest Showman and La La Land, I'm like, I hear that. It's yeah. very, very apparent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a, a particular sound. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, let's get into this movie now. So I watched it in a theater. I went out and did see it at a theater. I also um, saw it in the theaters. And so let's get into kind of the first kind of big uh, controversial topic of this piece, which is the casting of our lead, Ben Platt, who won the Tony Award for his performance as Jervin Hansen when the musical premiered on Broadway. And there's been quite a lot of talk about him reprising this role now when he is close to 30 years old. And this mm-hmm. role is clearly meant for someone who is 
probably either as an actor, probably in their late teens, early 20s, who mm-hmm. looks younger. Um, so Graham, what did you think of Ben Platt's performance? And do you think it was right to cast him in this role for the film? Okay, I'm a big fan of casting the original, the originator <laughs> of the role when you take it from Broadway right. to film. I love mm-hmm. that they did that for the producers. I love yes. that they did that. Um, I, I'm certainly drawing a blank. They, they did it on Rent, the movie Rent, directed yes. by Chris Columbus. Yes. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm a big fan of that. However, <laughs> and like, like Ben Platt has a great voice. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem was is that he looked close to 30. Yes. And everyone else didn't, other than yeah. the parents. Yes. Which I'm like, when it kind of makes it a little creepy when you're with, when you have your co-star, uh, Caitlin Deaver. Yeah. Um, looking very much like a high school girl. And then yeah, you she's look like... 25? 25, I think is how she is. So, so she is so she's her mid-20s, but she looks much younger. She can play. And, and then you have Ben Clack, who has some maturity to him. <laughs> it just kind of uh, didn't land. Um, and as for his performance, I was really disappointed. Mm. Because, okay, because I'm trained as an actor as well. Yes. So I looked at his physicality. I looked mm-hmm. at his delivery. I looked at like everything. Mm-hmm. And his physicality was so distracting. Mm-hmm. He was so like, his hand would just like hover there for a bit. And I'm like, what's this? Is it Richard III? And he had like a little hunch. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like it's a little appropriate that you struck a mm-hmm. Richard III look. Yes. Like at the same time, that's I don't ever I didn't always view I didn't ever view that as Evan Hansen. So like Robert Marcus playing Evan Hansen in Toronto, he was awkward, he was uncomfortable, he was, you know, cripplingly shy. He embodied all of the traits that Evan Hansen has at the beginning, mm-hmm. but he was never like he also like shifted mm-hmm. between that. Like I felt like Ben Platt played the same note throughout. Yes. The movie. He was always awkward. He was always shy. He was always Evan Hansen. And the character, I didn't really see much variation there. Even once everything started turning up in Act 2. Right. He was still so awkward, but like that's when Mm -hmm. things are starting to turn around for him. Anyways, so I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of Ben Plack's performance. Also, did you think Ben Plack's face looked swollen in the movie? Because there were many shots where I looked, especially I'm thinking about during like his last big number mm-hmm. um, where he's like having his big like belt moment. And I just was like, it looks like you've eaten something and your face is puffed up. Oh, I think that's because he's crying and like your face swells when you cry and he's crying a lot at the end. I also think that they're trying to give him that youthful cherub uh, face a bit. I don't know how. I, I think I think they mentioned something about doing something digitally or doing something to him to make him have a little bit more of that rounder face because we do associate that with youth. Um, yeah, because they haven't lost the, the the baby fat, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he get well. Yeah, so yeah, I, I can bridge that into my thought because I I do agree. He didn't look right for the part anymore. He, and I, he for me, not- I go yeah yeah. If, if for me, I go. I'm all, I agree with you. I'm all for bringing back the original cast, but I also go, it has to be appropriate. Like Nathan and Matthew Broderick, their roles are ageless. 
Yes. Like they, uh, they could easily, ju- uh, they could do it now and it'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Even like, uh, even like I know when um, in the 90s, they were going to try and do a, a movie musical of Les Mis, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Alan Parker, who went on to direct Evita with Madonna. Uh, that was his first year was to do Les Mis and they wanted Colm Wilkinson to do it. And Colm was actually really on the fence about it because he goes, I'm getting up there already to play this role because it's a big lifespan you have to play as Jean Valjean. Yeah, I mean, I, I I honor Colm Wilkinson for considering that as part of the role because it's like watching like that Rent movie they did with Chris Columbus with the original cast. I'm like, you guys are all so old. You're like in your 30s at this point. This is meant to be like people in their early to mid 20s doing yeah. this part. And Ben Platt, like, don't be wrong. I love the fact that we had somebody who was in a lead role who could actually sing the part. Nowadays, in, in, in like movie musicals, that is a very hard thing to come across, unfortunately. Um, so the fact we had just someone who could handle those vocals and do it really well, I was great. Thank you for uh, saving my ears for two hours. Uh, now, that being said, he was definitely too old, and there are a lot more younger actors who've taken over the role on Broadway. A lot of film and TV actors um, who have ta- done the role, uh, who, who would have looked younger in the part. And I, th- and I think, and I think as other reviewers have pointed out, in order to sympathize with Evan and to understand that this is it, that what he does at the beginning anyway, before he fabricates a whole bunch of emails and really kind of builds up the story, but his initial white lie, uh, you need to understand that it's, it, it's a mistake of youth. You don't, because as a child, you don't fully understand uh, what you're doing. There, 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 uh, there is that, I don't want to say this is an excuse for you, but there's that thing of you are still learning and growing. But when mm-hmm. you look old, like he does, you're kind of like, mm. breaks the spell a little. It breaks the spell. And I mean, if you look at Ben Platt back in the, when he won the Tony, he did look a lot younger. Yeah. And, and it, it the, worked. And I think it works for theater. You can get away with yes. it in theater yeah, because you're further away. And there's suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Like yes. it's, it's the same thing with cats. You yeah. believe that those are cats moving on stage yeah. because we know logically. Yeah. I know that's a that's a person singing memory. Right. I know yes. that McCavity is not actually yes. a cat, mm-hmm. and I could get in a whole tangent on that film, but yeah. we won't. Right? Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, I know some people are like, well, it worked in Greece and West Side Story, and I'm like, did it really work, or do we just accept that you were casting old people? It's like watching Riverdale. You know that show, CW show Riverdale, and you see yep. the people, and you're like, there, there was nobody in a high school who had who had a six pack abs like what's his name, the guy who plays Archie. No, like, like at least Cole Sprouse looks a little bit like like a teenager. He had a bit more of that gawky look to him, but like, yeah, that's the thing I think was missed here is that now that we do have these younger actors who can do these roles, let's do it. Like I'm excited for when we have this upcoming produ- remake of West Side Story. Now, mm-hmm. the actress who played Maria when she did the role, she was 17 when she did the part. Like, she was perfect age for that character. Yeah. Like, and, a lot, and a lot of the actors fit that early 20s, late teen age bracket. And they looks like, because I love Russ Tamblin and Natalie Wood and, and, and on that 1961 cast, but they do look old. They look like Ben Platt does. They look, they look like it's just a bit off. So for me, I go, it's it's not that he was horrible. It's just, I do think he was miscast and that miscasting undercut the character of Dear Van Hansen and made him less sympathetic. 
Yeah, and I, and I get into talking about that in one of your later questions about, Perfect. you know, I think that yeah. largely is the, it, it's the fault that they get it on film. The reason it yeah. didn't work is because it was a film. On yeah. a film, there's just less suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we'll get into that later. We will. We will. We will. Exactly. And we'll, we'll, and we'll keep coming back to Ben Platt. But he's not the only one in this movie. They actually got a pretty good A-list cast of people to kind of fill out the, the, the community around him. So, Graham, give us a breakdown of what did you, um, what did you think of the supporting cast? Who gave a standout performance to you? First of all, I want to say that they really made the movie the Ben Platt show. So yes. the the supporting cast was, in my opinion, barely there. They were set yep. pieces. They were okay. The I don't think anyone did a horrible job in the supporting mm-hmm. cast. I would blame writing more than I would blame performance in some yep. cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my shout out is going to go to Julianne Moore. Oh. Because I actually really love the character of Evan's mom. And Evan's yeah, mom is not, character on stage. is not in the show that much. And that's kind of like the point is she's an yeah. absent mother. Like she's, she's a single mom. She works a lot. Like, yeah, it's really heartbreaking. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you understand the creative choice of leaving her. Yeah. Out. Mm-hmm. But then she gets such incredibly powerful numbers like so which big, they cut so small, two of them <laughs> which they cut two of them which i will get to that later as well yes we will <laughs> so big so small i'm so happy they didn't cut that one because yeah. that's that's the number that is to me the real tearjerker of this entire show mm-hmm. of this entire very heavy very de- like the, at times depressing yeah. show yeah that is the one that gets me not because it's depressing but because there's such a a sense of loss, a sense of disconnect, yes. a sense of trying your best mm-hmm. and it's still not being enough. Yeah. And I think Julianne Moore embodied this kind of out of touch mother mm-hmm. so beautifully. I felt yeah. for her every step of the way mm-hmm. when she showed up to the Murphys for dinner. Oh, I was like, oh, so my, killer awkward. My heart is breaking. Like, yes. I think like Julianne Moore is my shout out for. Yeah. like standout mm-hmm. performance besides Ben Platt. Yeah. Um, I would, I would, you know, give acknowledgement to Annie Adams, but like if I had to pick one, Julianne Moore is definitely yeah. my pick. Yeah. Okay. Well, I went through the supporting cast in my notes because I had so much to get out of my brain on this question. So, I mean, first of all, I, I, I agree with you. Overall, the cat, the supporting cast was great. And as you said, the way they, the way they remade the screenplay, it has become very Ben Platt, Evan Hansen centric, and that and that didn't mean we lost some of the um, the meat around the other characters, which is too bad. I mean, Julianne Moore, I w- I really felt she was underused. I mean, that's two of her songs are cut, so that kind of cuts her screen time as Heidi, and it made her character beats feel almost a little bit generically forced, where it's like, oh, I'm at the hospital, oh, Taco Tuesday, another night, like, okay, now I'm mad at you for being with this other family. Like there were like I mean because she her, because we were missing her throughout the piece, it felt like there were steps missed in her character journey that I'm like, I, I'm missing a, a step here. Like I I feel like we needed to see a, like you it just seemed a few more quiet moments of her coming home, like just Evan at, at the Murphy house and then her just coming home to an empty house. Something like mm-hmm. that. There's just a few more of those little moments to build her journey and frustration further. Or her, or her getting a call from the therapist saying Emma's missing his appointments. Because she's right, down in the States, 
that costs a lot of money for a single parent to put your kid through therapy and get all that medication. Like, yeah. I would, I would be pissed too if my kid was doing, was, 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 was piddling that away on me. Um, and I mean, she's not the best singer. And that's why I wonder if that was a reason they cut two of her songs was because they knew she couldn't vocally get at it. Like she, she, uh, she kind of pulled the Meryl Streep in Mamma Mia with her big song where like Meryl Streep in Mamma Mia was not the best singer, but when she did the winner takes it all, she let the emotion of that song carry her through the piece versus belting it like the Broadway actors do. And mm-hmm. I felt that was the same thing here was you could feel that really hurt raw emotion in her voice. And that's what made that song work for me. So I would have I want to see more of her. I, did, I really did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then I got the two friends. So first we have uh, Nick uh, Dodini as Jared. And he has some very funny lines, but he is not a great character at all. No, In fact, I, he is quite cruel. Like, I hated him. Like, he refuses I, to sign Evan's cast when he asks to sign the cast. And I'm like, you know your friend has social anxiety issues and you know that is not easy for him to come out and ask that. And then you do the, no, we're family friends. Nick Zidani did a good job playing that role. Yes. I blame the writing on Oh, actually, it's not his fault. It's the writing. They gave him horrible writing. They didn't give his character a proper journey. And then he goes on and fabricates the lie with Evan. And in the musical, like on stage, Mm -hmm. he's much more present. Is he? Okay. Yes, he is. Like they actually, I, I'll get to it later, but there's a Sincerely Me reprise mm-hmm. where Jared wants to kind of like write more emails to kind of like be included in the spotlight. Oh, interesting. And Evan is like, no, you have to like stick to the agreed narrative. Wow. Like you can't. It, like, there was Evan, that. Evan literally has a line where it's like, you can't just start making things up. And it's like, excuse me? Like, what? that's. Such a great moment. Yes. Where was because, that in the movie? <laughs> and I, like, there's sort of more connection between the yeah. two of them. They actually yeah. become friends by the end of the... Right. Like, by the end of the show, or right. something close to friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he actually... Um, Jared's character appears in two songs, both of which were cut. Um, Disappear and um, Good For You. Yeah. And now he's only appearing in Sincerely Me. Yeah. Which, you know, he's always just supposed to be the supporting role in that anyways. So, yeah. And I mean, for me, I just go the way they've written him in this movie is he's as bad as Evan and he doesn't get any type of consequence for being part of the email fabrication, which is like liable. That's liable lawsuit. You fabricated somebody's life. Yeah. And and you and you were a part of that. So for me, it just made me angrier with this character because I'm like, yes, he has funny lines, but I'm like, 
I don't like you. You are not a good person. You are quite cruel. You are you are another form of a bully to Evan. And yes. also, if I recall correctly, he wasn't gay on stage. Like in okay. the stage musical, he was like, okay. I hooked up with a Brazilian model and right. she was smoking. But in right. the movie, it's, he was smoking. So suddenly it's like, okay, so we've made Jarek a gay character now. Yeah. Um, but we don't I develop don't, that further. We don't develop that further. It is a mention. Yeah. It is thrown away. It's to me the exact same problem Loki had, but that's yeah. another story. Yeah, that's a, yeah. <laughs> um, and not only that, but it's like, okay, so we have a gay character, then we completely like cast him aside. Yeah. He's not in it. It's <laughs> not about him. Yeah. And you're right. It's called Dear Evan Hansen. This is the Evan Hansen show. But, but even still, like you build your characters because building the world helps inform your main character. Yeah, you would Hedda Gabler would not be Hedda Gabler without all of the yeah. people around her. To- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Tony and Maria would not be the characters without the characters of Bernardo, Riff, and Anita. You mm-hmm. need strong supporting characters to help back your lead characters. In that scene you described, I'm like, that would be a great scene to see. Because that's you, you could because then you actually see the struggle in Jared of wanting to be part of the limelight, wanting to be part of the it. It gives him some agency. It gives him some motivation, some stakes. Yes. At this point, he's like, okay, I'll just do this because you'll pay me. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I still don't know why that thumb drive was sent to him. At the end, I'm like, I get the Murphy family. I get, we'll get into her in a minute, Alana. Uh, But why Jared got a thumb drive of Connor seeing, I'm like, that makes no sense to me. So some weird dramaturgical choices there at the end too. Uh, Now, for the other friend, which is... uh, Amandala Stenberg, uh, who plays Alana Beck, she was okay. She got given a new song to sing, and she did well with the material she was given. I like the way they kind of reframed her from the opening that we see her in as like the pep rally president. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that she was struggling in that moment. I thought that was a great, actually, I think that was one of the better film moments. It actually was smart. Um, but she is such a flawed character who, like Evan, faces no real consequences. I mean, she basically unleashes a mob on a grieving family for, for her own selfish gain of her own project, her own, her own vanity project, and as it were. in the stage play, it's even worse. And in fact, like, Alana is not a very sympathetic character on stage at all. Oh, really? Um, she is just kind of like, the character that they portray is someone who's just, not liked was one of those like keen students that people didn't like because oh, she was yeah, like yeah, a teacher's pet and was yeah. always involved in every club yeah. and was kind of like trying desperately mm-hmm. to be liked and important and relevant but just yeah. missed the mark but yeah. because now she's involved on the connor project because now this mm-hmm. has happened that became her her ticket to the top it became right. her her like after yeah. all these things she's done that was her thing and she was a lo- not so much of a sympathetic character as much as she was someone annoying. Okay. And then eventually she just unleashes the mob on the Murphys because she's like, this is important. Like, this has to be out there. Like, you shared this right. with me. Like, like Evan right. shared the email to save his yeah. ass. And then yes. she's like, oh, my God, everyone has to see this. And Evan's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't share that with anyone. She's like, no, no, this is already going out. I have to go. Hangs up the video call and just next thing you know hell is unleashed like she's definitely and on stage she was played by actually a friend i knew from high school in my dance uh oh um, really my dance studio the wonderful shakara dixon um yes and she did it so so well 
Like mm-hmm. she did this part so well, but it's just the movie mm-hmm. does the character in a completely different way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, yeah, like she uses Evan and Connor for her own gain, and it, and it corrupts the act, the no- actions of this actual noble cause of this memorial for someone. And, I, yeah. and it, it just made me mad watching her as a character. And- I, 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 I'm like, no, you're just making me mad. And both of these characters ultimately ended up just making me really angry by the end. Because I'm like, there's no consequence. There's no confrontation scene for these people to face their actions. It's literally just like, Con- like Evan and Connor don't have any type of fight over those emails at the end once it's out. Uh, there's no consequence for Atlanta for unleashing a hate mob on a family who didn't deserve that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it just, like, there's just no consequence for this. And we'll get and, into more of that because that's the bigger problem with the story in general is nobody faces any consequences. Yes. Um, Anonymous Ones is also just, a, to me, a complete rehash of Waving Through a Window. Basically, yes. It, it serves the same function. Yeah. They use the same staging. Yeah. And it's it's the same song again. I'm like, yeah, okay. Between the two new songs, Anonymous Ones is the catchier one. I like yeah. that better. But was this necessary? No. Did they want to yeah. make a statement with the character, like representing someone who struggles with mental health, mm-hmm. takes medication, which yeah. is... It's, I think that's a good thing to do with the character. You're mm-hmm. utilizing the character more than just making her the annoying yeah, teacher's pet. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know if it was well executing. I feel like if no, you, it was. If you want to, if you want to include that, she needs to be much more central to the story. Yeah. But that's even that. Even still, if you want to write a story that's exclusively about someone struggling with mental health and taking medication, mm-hmm. you stru- you risk making a problem play. Where the right. whole the whole story revolves around this character mm-hmm. taking meds, which Look I, at I'm next sure to normal. Can... <laughs> oh my god! So just quick side tangent, but in mm-hmm. when I was in a show, one of the younger actors was like, "I loved Next to Normal until I heard Dear Evan Hansen," and then ever since then, Dear Evan Hansen is just a better show. And I'm like, excuse me. Mm-hmm. no okay no. one of them is a woman struggling with mental health and the impact it has on her family and it doesn't it happily it's an honest ending so one of them great great show the other one teenage boy profiting off of a kid's suicide yeah these are not the same show and if you say dear yeah. enhancing is inspiring i'll be like have you watched it yeah have you actually understood what the story is about yeah. I mean, I know that you will be found as supposed to be this rousing number and we'll get to that. I'm going to save that point. But. Okay. Okay. We will save that point. But for my last bit, the shout outs for me go to the Murphy family who yes. were the solid grounding piece of this show. I mean, you have Amy Adams, Caitlin Deaver and Danny Apino, uh, uh, who while limited in what they could do with their stuff, did so much. I, I I was begging just for more scenes of their life and seeing their journey 
I was like, can we just have a movie about them and their story and cut everybody else out? Like, go away. Mm -hmm. Because, like, that's the fascinating story in that big fight scene they have when everything is hitting the fan. It was just so raw and real. Like, you felt everybody's pain oh, in yeah. that moment. It was, I, I, I almost had to, I, it made me almost feel sick watching it because I was like, it, it was just so destructively sad to see this family who's come so far in their grieving process now go back to square one. Because mm-hmm. their path they were on was a lie. They have to go back and rebuild their gr- their grieving process again on yeah. the truth. Um, like Amy Adams' desperation for finding the good. Because as a mom, as a parent, you want to believe that, no, your child wasn't a shit. Your child actually did have good qualities. And she's right. Connor, when we actually get to see who the real Connor is, very briefly... Like uh-huh. the fact he could play guitar, he he read all these interesting books. Like he was somebody who clearly was struggling, and she's a mom who under uh, who who's always trying to do the best she could. She was always trying to find that next to normal, <laughs> which is that which is that, and it, it's so heartbreaking. Like that dinner, that first dinner party scene where where like Evan mentions the orchard, and it's like somebody clean, finding like a, a a floating piece of deck from a sinking ship, and that's their life raft now. That's their mm-hmm. one hope to hold on to before they go underwater. Um, and just the way Amy Adams played the facade of upper-class mom who's perfectly put together, who does yoga and gluten-free shit, and then she's also someone who's literally breaking on the inside yep. all the time, like just on that verge of snapping, and the anger and pain you see as she's sitting at the table and she just says, you should go now to, to Evan. It's like That was such a, like capstone moment in the movie mm-hmm. like because she was holding it all back and yeah, was trying like she, so hard to keep it together and i yes. could tell every yeah. moment of that mm-hmm. performance yeah yeah it was so good and then like um danny danny pino who was the most undercut out of the family because they cut his one song uh the glove song which i think i would have loved to see an adaptation of that song we'll get into that song in a bit yes. um but like, like even him and his journey in this piece was really fascinating to me. And I'm like, I want more of your story. Mm-hmm. Like as a stepfather coming into a family whose child, uh, the child who's struggling with all types of mental health issues is never easy. But the fact that he goes, I tried to love him. And I'm like, I, I, and I do believe he did love Connor as best he could. I full on believe that man really did see Connor as a son mm-hmm. and really did have a connect and really did try to make a connection even though they keep saying he doesn't i'm like no he did it's just it's hard to connect to kids and it, it, it is hard it's not an easy thing to be a parent and connect to your child all the time yeah it's not an easy journey for that like everyone thinks oh when i'm a parent my my child and i will connect it's like no as a parent you have to work with the child and sometimes no matter how hard you work it doesn't work there's mm-hmm. just some some friction that's there but you keep trying and you keep working. And I think that's what his character was. He, he was trying. And you see that he is broken because he feels like a failure. He feels like a failure of a person for not being able to bridge that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's so good. But my really shout out goes to um, Caitlin Deaver as Zoe. Like she, she was the best at charting her character's journey from point A to point Z and all in between, like you see her go from anger to her so- her heart softening toward Evan to then being angry again and hurt. And it, her hurts were different 
when she when she's hurt because of the lie, it's a different hurt from when she's grieving for her brother, who she's mm-hmm. mad at. And you can see that her anger is her um, wall. She's putting up to help restrain her emotion. Mm-hmm. She goes, well, if I'm angry at my brother all the time, then I don't have to properly grieve him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like it was such a, it's such a wonderful performance that she gave. And yeah, yeah, like just a solid performance by those three. Like they really were a great trio of characters that I just full on had my heart go out to them. For Absolutely. like the whole like the, the whole dinner scene where they're wanting to give Connor's uh, college tuition and Heidi takes it the wrong way. Like, no, no, Heidi, they're trying to be nice. They're not trying to poo-poo you and say like you need a handout. They're they're trying to show compassion to you through because they think your son is somebody who who is good for them and good to them. Yeah. And it's helped them. like they are they are good, like they are they are people who are hurting and grieving. Like they're not awful people like you think they are. And, and yeah, in the scene when they're when everything's hitting the fan with them, it's so painful to watch the, them go through that because because you know that it's a lie. That mm-hmm. they were good, they are good people, they are good parents who did try to help their son, and yet they're being mo- they're being attacked by this hate mob. Yep. Who it, it's painful. It's so sad. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Well done to them. Um, okay. So let's get into Grim. I think I think you'll be able to answer this question better than I can because I've never seen it live. But uh, how well did this musical translate from stage to screen? It didn't. <laughs> Just flat out, it didn't. Yeah. I don't think this was a musical that needed a film adaptation mm-hmm. because it's such the thing with film is that there's always spectacle associated with it and it works for some for some musicals Les Mis definitely appreciates the grandiose scale Phantom big big Mm -hmm. cats even like big spectacle I know like I that was a steaming dumpster fire but um like there are musicals of a certain vintage especially but you know there are musicals Sound of Music Wicked, like the fact we don't have a Wicked movie is a crime. It's coming, um, it's coming. They're working on it. <laughs> I've heard that before, okay? Like, <laughs> I've heard that since I was a kid. I need this. But like, that's a mu- that is a musical that would benefit from the spectacle yes. of film. Yes. Evan Hansen is a very personal, character-driven story, mm-hmm. and there isn't really much spectacle other than You Will Be Found. Mm-hmm. That's the only spec- like spectacular number. Right. Um, and the thing is, is that this is because it's about characters communicating and connecting. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of scenes that work on stage that just don't on film because mm-hmm. in film you want to like take a scene. And I think about I'm gonna reference the producers again, but yeah. we can do it. Number they're yes. traveling through the streets, they're going yes. all around. Yeah. The yeah. Ollie Stock is chasing the city. Bloom. Yeah. Yeah. They use the city, mm-hmm. but in this. Everything is like in a room. So it turned into a lot of scenes of just many shots of Ben Platt singing in a kitchen or in a bedroom or like it, it, it works on stage because there's the magic of actually being in the room with the performer. Right. And this, it's just like, okay, now we're just the camera in the room while, Mm -hmm. while we sing and have like many intimate moment the intimacy comes from the magic of live theater live performance it doesn't really translate onto film because Mm -hmm. it is it doesn't move it doesn't have a lot of motion it doesn't it's not very visual it's just you're supposed Mm -hmm. to listen yeah and also in the on stage they had all these projections of video calls and Mm -hmm. 
like most of Evan and um, Alana's interactions were on like a Zoom call type thing. Cool. Like, so like her face was projected on a screen and mm-hmm. Evan would be talking to his laptop on like stage, right. but she wasn't even on stage. Right. Or she'd be like off in the corner, a single spotlight and she's talking on the phone. Like mm-hmm. there was, they did a great job of like having the, cause it's about connections, but also yeah. showing how social media was disconnecting us because yes. it creates this artifice of the digital mm-hmm. world. And for you will be found, you have all these tweets, you have all these comments, you have all these YouTube yeah. like clips, you have all these things covering the stage because right. he's going viral. Yes. And it works and you get the sense of this anxiety. Yeah. But mm, it, yeah. Didn't, it didn't it, work here. It didn't work here. Yeah. 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 For me, I, my first note is this felt similar to what my thoughts on the prom were. Which is is the, the this felt like a serious episode of Glee, where I, where I don't think the filmmakers utilized the film medium to its full potential. Mm-hmm. They did a very straightforward stage to screen cut of this, where it's like, okay, we have a scene in high school. Ergo, we will go to the high school. We will focus on Ben Platt walking down the hallway. Like it was a very straightforward move job from stage to screen, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they could have done more with this. Like one of the things you can't do on stage because you can't, because you just don't have the space and capacity to do it is giving, is building silent moments. Like, 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 like moments that you couldn't see on stage because you can't cut away to Heidi at the hospital while Ben Platt is singing somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like, like you can't build those moments or these intercutting moments to build characters up and build their journeys further. And for me, I went, that was, was really missed here is that you can build this world out more because you can get into the, these characters' headspaces. You can get into this. You can do some wonderful film work with this. You can use the film the way you shoot things to tell a different story. Like, there's a lot more you can do that I just don't think they ever went for it because it, it was a very straightforward, straight on job. And I hate yeah, the cuts in some places, like for especially oh yeah, waving, tap, tap at the window thing where it's wait, that quick cut randomly. I hated that. Absolutely. That I'm so like, random. hey, stop, stop. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think there are better songs that capture anxiety than waving through a window. People love that song. And I'm like, what about Michael in the bathroom? Yeah. Like, what? Well, there are better songs that capture anxiety than waving yeah. through a window. I, I was about yes. to swear there. I caught myself. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And I mean, for me, I always go, this film never gave you a chance to sit in silence and breathe and reflect on what's going on. Yeah. Like, like, there, like there was never a moment where you just saw the Murphy family or Heidi or Connor or Evan or whoever sitting alone quietly. There was always either something being said, something being sung. There was never a real moment of breath in this and on film that is much easier to do than on stage on stage there's always needs to be something happening because yeah. or else you think somebody dropped a beat or missed a line um because so yeah it's it's tougher I, 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 it's tougher to do on stage and I, that's what for me i just go it didn't quite work like they use some montaging but i'm like they could have done way more that to show the real kind of passage of time in this piece because yeah. i'm like wait did evan and did evan and uh, what's her name zoe go to prom together when do we hit that point in the story like, how long are they together for? Like, how much time is passing here? Like, I get you're trying to show that, hey, he's getting distracted with his relationship and missing on it on the Connor project. But it just, the montage didn't line up right. 
So and they they did that honestly better on stage as well. Yeah. Is there was a real sense of like the Connor project is going, but Evan yeah. is off with Zoe. Like yeah. they even did that, and you know, stage did that better. Right. Come on, this should not be a thing. There were so few times where I thought, you know, bringing this show to film was a good idea. Yeah. There were so, like, like I could probably yeah. count on one. Yeah. yeah, like I can see why you would think as as a producer, as a, as a, as an audience member, you would think when you're watching this on stage, you're like, yeah, I could see this on film. Because it's a natural setting. We've done we've seen a lot of high school dramas. The concept, yes, is there. But when you, as you said, when, when you're doing a musical, it is heightened. You do have to do a little bit more to other and Glee actually did a pretty good job sometimes when they wanted to to heighten that world. When, when somebody had to sing a song in a hallway, they they tried doing different things to really kind of make that. Yeah, I, I mean, Chicago is a great example of taking the real world and mixing it with the theatrical world mm-hmm. through that great form of um, Renee Zellinger's um, Roxy Hart's imagination of seeing the world through a, through a stage and stardom. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really smart device. It, it's a way of making that real world fit better. So, yeah, for me, I just go, I don't think it translated as well as it could have. I think there's a lot of missed opportunities in there that they just didn't quite hit. Yeah. So for me, I go, yeah. All right, next bit, which is, is this a good adaptation? Did this film solve any of the stories that have been noted from the stage version? And there's quite a few story problems. Uh, why don't you take the lead on this one? All right, all right. Uh, no, it's not a good adaptation. Mm, completely they, agree. They undercut Heidi and Cynthia with their choice to cut out their songs. Uh, the the char- These characters besides the Murphy family and Heidi are not the, sorry the characters besides the Murphy family and Heidi are not likable and this wasn't fixed in the translation uh they they, they say they changed the ending to make Evan be more accountable but we really didn't see that we saw his journey of trying to discover who Connor was and trying to find and finding finding that video of Connor to help the Murphy family in their healing but Evan Jared and Elena never face real consequences like yeah, he does a nice thing but there's never any real fallout from that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 we still because because the Murphy family chooses to hide, keep them keep the secret for fear of Evan completing suicide himself. Everybody now still believes the lie, except for the most people who know the truth. Mm-hmm. And even then, he records that one video of like it was me. But even then, there's no hate storm. There's no angry mob who come after him at school. It, it's it, it's just people giving him side glances in a hallway, and I'm like but he was already doing that beforehand. <laughs> yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we have come full circle. Basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, the the film could have done so much more of fleshing out the character of Connor, who it's noted from the stage version is never given a real voice. You never get to fully understand who Connor is. And as an audience that undercuts you because when you leave, you're still got a very clear picture of Evan's version of Connor in your head. And I should be leaving the story going, I see Evan's version, but I also see who the real Connor was. We get hints of that with this fact they have this new singing scene at the at, at rehab or wherever he's at, at this group home therapy place. But I'm like, there's so much more you could have done with him. Like I have, I have a quiet moment where Evan goes into his bedroom. Um, and is looking around, and that's when Amy Adams comes in and starts talking about the bar mitzvahs. Instead of her leading that scene, have Evan be like, I'm going to go to the washroom. He goes upstairs, he finds uh, Connor's bedroom. 
and walks in and then has a moment where he's looking through things and discovering things about this person and then have Amy Adams surprise him. That would be such an easy fix to mm. make Connor, that discovery of who Connor was more better than just always the little snippets we get of him. Like I, 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 he punched holes in his wall. We hear that he was, he went downtown. Like we hear little things about him, but never, we, we never get that full picture. I'm like, if you're doing a care a story about somebody who's committed, who's completed suicide and then somebody fabricates a, a, their life, I still should know who the, like who the person was we lost. So I can yeah. fully understand and understand the pain of this family. So for me, I just go, no, this is not a good adaptation. Nobody faces no. their consequences and their characters are undercut. The, the supporting cast is undercut by the choices of cutting material. Also, I'll say I don't go to a musical to get voiceover singing. Like yeah. that, that ending moment where Connor's yeah. singing over this montage. I'm like, we have hit a film. Like this is yeah. definitely a film. I like I would I wouldn't be surprised if it was some pop star singing the song because mm-hmm. it just it isn't it really didn't feel like a musical theater song. Yeah, and yeah like, really... I don't mind voiceover in, in musicals. I, I I don't mind if you have somebody singing and then you cut to somebody else. Like I don't mind that concept because you have to do it right. Yeah, and they definitely didn't do it right. And it just I thought the. I thought giving Connor a song mm-hmm. they again it didn't feel like it was driving the plot. It just felt like yeah. a it felt like a pop song instead of a yes. musical theater song. As yeah. you know, musical theater songs go start at point A and end in point B. Yes. Yeah. But this was start we start at point A, we end at point A, and mm-hmm. if you listen yeah. to the song again, it will still be in point A yeah. for the rest of all time. Yeah. It's just an experiential song. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm, mm, and that's, that's, that's how you want us to remember Connor singing a sag song with his guitar. Yeah. I don't know. I think that Connor on stage worked better because yeah. he was a memory ghost. He showed up a couple of times mm-hmm. and he actually talked to, like, he and Evan actually have dialogue. Connor starts right. the song Disappear. Right. Because um, he shows up and being, but he's more of a manifestation of Evan's fears. Right. He's more manifestation. So it's kind of like Gabe and next to normal. Yes. Like I like Connor on stage better. And no, I don't feel that Connor needs like necessarily needs a voice, Mm -hmm. like needs his own song because at least not at the end. Yeah. Because we've kind of not seen him the entire show and we kind of don't like part of the whole story is that Evan has appropriated Connor's voice. He's the only reason he's in sincerely me is because Evan is writing Connor's voice. Yeah. So like he's straight up like Evan Hansen is a deplorable character, folks who mm-hmm. are listening. Evan Hansen is not someone you should emulate. Evan Hansen yeah. is a horrible character. Yeah. Um and I just the new ending didn't add anything to it. And they mm-hmm. they suddenly made it so Evan was singing Connor's song at the end instead of a rehash of For Forever or a reprise. Which I thought for forever was a much better song to end the show on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, speaking of songs, let's get into what song do we think was best performed? Mm, that's it's a very tough one for me because I could, mm-hmm. you know, I like so big, so small. Yes. Um, but I agree with you that it was more of an emotional piece rather than a like, oh, these are stellar vocals. 
Yeah. I have to say the song I had the most fun with is the exact same song I love the best from the stage musical, which is Sincerely Me. It is a fun stage number. I thought. Because I'm like, I shouldn't be toe tapping to you fabricating this person's voice. <laughs> like, it's so, it, it's a villain song. It is a mm-hmm. full villain song that you are, because I should not be enjoying you taking away this person's identity. Yes. And I, but I love it at the same time because I love yes. all villain songs. Like, I, I could, yes. if, I, if I had any capacity to sing, I would just do a concert of villain songs and be. That'd perfectly be a great happy. concert. They have some fantastic songs. You'll be back. Like, yeah. You'll be back. You'll be back. Um, so I really like, now I don't think it was a perfect number. I think that the no. choreography was a little janky. I thought that it looked yeah. a little robotic or weird at times. It could but have I was been a little more that though, because this is a fabrication there. Like it is a bit of a hokey way to go about it where it's like, we we're not making a real person. We are making a caricature of Connor. So yeah. I'm like, I'm okay with them doing box steps and being a little, for people who are watching, uh, they can't they can't see me or people listening they can't see me but i just did a bit of a hokey cowboy shake the arm dance so yeah. for me, i was like that made sense the way they choreographed that and, and i mean the physical comedy with jared is always great like the whole when they bump him out of the way on the go-kart or they're doing box stepping at the movie theater i'm like yeah that all that because once again you're fabricating connor you're you're making up something it's it's very theatrical what they're doing yeah, and I think I think that that's one of the moments that I'm like, that's more or less how I would do this number as well if I were directing. Yeah. Like, I definitely didn't like how they did waving through a window. I would have done it differently. I wouldn't have cut. Yes. Does anybody have a map? Um, I would. That's my note too. Don't worry, we'll get to that. But well, I'll, I have a, I have a note for every song that was cut. Um, but like, I wouldn't have cut back. I would have gotten Evan to school and then started waving through a window and have him, have him in the middle of the hall, people going yeah. past him. No one's noticing yeah. him. Suddenly snap. Everyone's gone. Evan is alone. Cue the music. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then we start that he's like, he is alone. And maybe yeah. then we start bringing people in, but we start with, it, it is the big, I am, I want song. Yes. Kind of. Yes. Um, so it's not an opening number. It is yes. not. It is not an establishing shot. It is yeah. an I am. It, like it is an I yeah. want number more or less. Yeah. 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 But yeah. So my best, my best performed song, sincerely me. Okay. Mine was Requiem. I 
I will sing no requiem. I will sing no requiem. I will sing no requiem. Okay. I love that song. It is it, it moves me every time I listen to it. Because each of these characters are going, each of the Murphy family are going through this grieving process. And you see them reacting differently to, in, in this moment. Like Zoe is contemplating, should I accept the lie that I know wasn't true about who my brother was? He was not a saint. He was not this goody two-shoes loving person. He tried to punch down my door. Like she, <clears throat> she's very angry and hurt. And so the fact that Zoe is struggling with this, but then you also have uh, Larry. It's Larry, right? Who's, who's the stepdad? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, uh, he's doing the whole, like his whole thing is like, I tried to give you things, but it didn't work. I, 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 I failed. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and, and I'm angry at you for, instead of coming to me and asking for help, you, you completed suicide instead. You didn't give me a chance to, to, to do what I, to do what a father should do. And then you have Amy Adams in his bedroom reading these emails and you see her almost like, I want to say gleeful, but like, it's, it's her on that life raft again. She's finding, she's getting herself more on that life raft. She's anchoring herself more to this lie. Like it was just such a great, well choreographed montage song that you see these people all getting caught up in this moment that Evan's not giving them the evidence for this lie and what yeah. that does to them. And, and the pain, it's the one moment we actually do get to really understand the pain of this grief this family's going through who's lost a child. Yeah, I think my only criticism of that number, because I agree with everything you said, and it's a great number, and I loved Zoe's big, you know, belt moment of Yes, when she's driving in the car. That was, I'm like, yes, that is exactly how I would have done that. Yeah. If I were directing. Yeah. And the end of the song, coming home in the middle of the night, and kind of like that, because the song kind of goes into like a much slower, sadder. Yeah moment mm-hmm. after that mm-hmm. i like the whole image of like coming home late and like creeping yeah. through the house yeah um i didn't always like the cuts i thought it sometimes got a little 90s music video with the like yes. faces fading out and yes. it's difficult because like on stage you have larry in his office um cynthia in like sitting on the bag and then yeah. uh zoe like you have them mm-hmm. three people on stage and it's right. like an ensemble number Right. So like it's easier on stage, but I guess I think our cutting could have been a little bit better. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it wasn't perfectly edited, but I think the performances in that song, yeah, carried me through it enough where I'm like, I can look past some of the janky editing that was done, and I can instead look at what the piece is doing. And yeah, that yeah, the fact that she's driving the car and it's careening, oh, it's really it's it's really representing her. She's driving toward a precipice, a cliff, and she's having to make the choice of. Do I accept this lie or do I not? And ultimately she stops up before she drives off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And it's not until she gets home that she starts reading the email that she starts to accept the lie. It's great. It's very well symbolized there in that moment. Yeah. So, yep. good. so good. Okay. So Graham, what did you think about the song? You will be fine. Cause we just talked about our favorite song, but you brought up that this song, maybe not hit the mark. And maybe, maybe it's the worst defender for not hitting the mark. So you will be found is what I my original window into the mm-hmm. show. 
And listening to it in isolation, it is a very rousing and inspiring number because it talks about something that all of us have experienced, which is this Mm -hmm. sense that we are alone. Yeah. And saying that you will be found, like everyone wants to hear that. And it's it's true. It does its job in the its function in the show is to kind of create a stir Mm -hmm. and get people interested. I thought that the Mm -hmm. the film kind of milked this scene a little bit where we kind of took a little hokey with all the video stuff. Like it felt like, um, did you ever see the prom on Netflix? Yes. There's the scene at the end when what's your name, uh, makes the, makes the video. Unruly heart. Yes. It felt like that. It felt like a blatant copy of the way they filmed unruly heart. I've seen this before and it didn't work then. And it doesn't work now. It feels hokey. Now on, on stage, I definitely, Mm -hmm. they definitely do something similar. Right. In that they have all these other voices coming in, mm-hmm. all these other um like, like you see you see tweets, you yeah. see comments. See, that's you see cool because it's cacophonous on stage. Yes, and on stage it works, it's cacophonous. Yeah. And you guess but the thing is that while this is happening, there's this pit of drag in you mm-hmm. that you're like, Oh this will not end well. This cannot. This cannot end well. Evan is yeah. digging his own grave right now because he's suddenly yes. gone from telling his lie to a handful mm-hmm. of people right. to sixteen thousand and counting. Yes. He's suddenly become this viral internet sensation, and mm-hmm. now suddenly that takes the stakes that we've established in um, in disappear one of the cut right. songs, and we've jacked them up to ten, like right. through the ceiling actually, yes. like to a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God, like as this, as the act is coming to a close, you kind of want to come back and see act two. Cause you're like, oh my God, Evan just became famous. Like he became yeah. internet famous What's he gonna do? for a lie. What is going to yeah. happen? Cause this cannot last. And also that's the moment where he finally gets Zoe. Like Zoe, right. like at the end, like they share a kiss or right. like some right. moment that says like, oh my God, they're, they're actually a thing. Cause what they also didn't do in the film was Evan tries to kiss Zoe during um, what's that ballad? Um, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's when they're talking about what did Connor say about her? If uh, I could tell that. her, if I could yes, tell her, yes, if I could tell her, that's it. He like on stage, he tries to kiss Zoe, and then Zoe's like, "Okay, that's weird." This well, is really she almost initiates that kiss too when they're on the couch, which to me is the problem because yes. Evan was the one who initiates it because Evan is the one who's crushing after Zoe, not the other way around. Right. Um, to her, like he's just someone nice who's giving her an insight on her brother or an insight on her brother. You know, if you want mm-hmm. to even like saying that loosely. Yeah. Quotation marks. Big quotation marks on that yeah. one. Um, so she's kind of distant from him, but then mm. she sees his speech, and like that's where she softens. Right. It's a big moment, and they kind of. I was too inspired in the movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a sense that, oh, this is actually something bad. Yeah, this, this is actually yeah, something. Yeah, there is a doom here. We're we are setting up the fall. Yeah. It, so on stage, it definitely worked. In the film, I don't yeah. think it did. I agree with you. It was so mm-hmm. very hokey. It was so very, yeah. like, we are going to tell, this is the inspiring number. This is, yeah. this is the greatest showman yeah. number. This is. Yeah, this is the number we'll sing at the Oscars when we get, when we get, when we get our big best picture nomination. Which will not happen. Which will never happen. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, this number just didn't hit because I, I, you're right. It sh- I should feel dread watching this song. 
I, and I didn't feel good. I felt more sadness for Evan when he's trying to do the speech and he's getting bullied and ridiculed and because like, my heart broke for him that moment. I'm like, you can like Ben Platt did a really good job in that scene of that awkward handshaking terror that is on his face in this moment. And that was and also was, something that was on stage before yeah. this number. And right. I think I think that scene kind of it, it did make the jump. It was one of the moments yeah. where I'm like, okay, they captured the same energy, but at the yeah. same time, like we milked it a bit. We paused a little too long. It went too long. Rock star. Yeah. Like, okay, we can end this. You you yeah. were about a minute too long on this scene. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, let's head into the next section. All right, cut songs. There were four four cut songs in this. Four cut songs. All right. So first off, I love it. Does anybody have a map? should have yes. been the damn opening number it should have been because it's such a good establishing shot we are establishing the hansen family and the murphy yeah. family it's just the four characters of the show. in one it's just a four mm-hmm. cynthia heidi connor and evan all get set up right away i mean it's such you, a smart way to do it and you even get suggestions of the rest of the murphy family as well yes like exactly in, like it's such a good like it to me is the perfect way to open this show yes Not, it's a, it seems natural to open the show that way yeah, like because why they went the other like, way makes no sense. It is a little strange that you give the moms the opening number, because <laughs> um, you know this is about yeah. Evan Hansen and it's about his friends and like the but moms he, but really the thing are is not. The songs talk about Evan Hansen, even though he's not singing, he still gets talked about enough that I get to understand who Evan is. Yeah, and it's a, it's a and it's a relatable way to get into the story. Because, and also, I think it's yeah. just relatable for any parents in the audience because oh, you know, so relatable. there is no roadmap for being a parent. Mm-hmm. No one nope. tells you what to do. And when your yeah. teenage son is either being quiet and reclusive like Evan right. or acting out and irrational like Connor. Right. Does anybody have a map? Like, does anybody have, where's the instruction manual? Yeah. Can I send mm-hmm. this back to the factory? Like my, yeah. my kid is default is like. Faulty. Yeah. I need yes. I need yeah. your wet factory reset. Like Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I just go when I listen to that song and I was like, wait, they cut this one? Yeah. Why? <laughs> why, like, why, why? And it's so it's such a short number. It's not like it's it's, it's not, not like long. one of those like eight minute opening numbers yeah. like some shows have. Like, or the this it's not welcome to the Renaissance. It's not no one mourns the wicked that are like yeah. huge narratives. It's a yeah. like two-minute song. Yeah, really? yeah, it's a two-minute song that sets up four characters in one. Super and it, efficiently. It, yeah, and it's and it actually what it does is it lets you into the look of what is a normal day before a normal day gets thrown sideways. Mm-hmm. It Which builds a, that world better. Always important. What is a it, normal day? So yes. we know what abnormal is for the rest of the show. Exactly. Um, exactly. Next, next cut song, yeah. uh, Disappear. Even if you've always been that barely in the background kind of guy, you still matter. And even if you're somebody who can't escape the feeling that the world's passed you by, you still matter. You never get around to doing some remarkable thing. That doesn't mean. 
This was, I think, a critical flaw mm-hmm. to cut disappearing anonymous right. ones instead, mm-hmm. because the anonymous ones filled yeah. the whole disappear left. Right. Um, disappear originally, mm-hmm. you know, is Evan talking to Connor's ghost, like memory right. ghost. Yes. And people are starting to forget about Connor, and therefore mm-hmm. people are starting to forget about Evan again. So what right. does Evan do? The Connor Project. Yeah. I need to keep people thinking. It makes them more conniving. And yeah, it, it, it gives him stakes. It gives him yeah. agency. Having Alana be like, this is really important for mental health. But that's not the purpose of this show. Are we really using yeah. Dear Evan Hansen to talk about mental health? Because yes, it discusses mental health without a doubt. Yeah. And I like that yeah. at the end of the credits, they had the, the word of like, if you or anyone you know is struggling with suicide, like yes. please seek help. Like they had that at yeah. the end of the credits. Mm-hmm. It, is an, it is a good show to discuss mental health, but in a certain way. Mm-hmm. It, it's not the best show to then suddenly make it like this is our thesis statement. We are going to say like this is how this is how right. you support teens with mental health issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't do not fabricate emails and co-opt someone's suicide yeah. for mm-hmm. your own for your own benefit. Yeah. It's it's just if you really think about it, not the best show to discuss this topic. Really oh, not. No. <laughs> disappear. No. Also disappear. Yeah. Like it sets up Evan's character for the rest of the show. Yeah. Because he's motivating and perpetuating this lie because he's like, yeah. I was invisible. I mm-hmm. now got a taste of what it's like to not be invisible. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose that. Yeah. He doesn't want to disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again. So yeah. I think cutting that song, massive error. Massive error. And for me, I go, I think uh, for me, I go, I think they cut it because it, in a way to help soften Evan because yeah, disappear makes Evan more conniving. It makes him more hungry and not in a nice way where as you said it's him realizing i'm going to be nothing again i i i'm no longer the 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 top story of the day i i'm not i'm going back to anonymity uh where it's like that fear is there and so he makes this really bad choice to further the lie and further the 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 pain of this of this murphy feeling by doing this project under false pretenses because he doesn't want to do it for Connor's memory. He has no freaking memory of Connor. He's doing it for his own gain. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I, I, th- I feel like they took the song away to make it, to make Evan more likable. And I'm like, that didn't work either. <laughs> Cutting that song did not make him more likable. Yeah. And the right way. more to... complicit. <laughs> yes. Because his silence is, is almost worse than him actually coming up with the idea. And the right way to breaking a glove. And though this method isn't easy. Every second that you spend is gonna pay off It'll pay off in the end It just takes a little patience It takes a little time A little perseverance And a little uphill climb You might not think it's worth it You might begin to doubt But you can't take any shortcuts You gotta stick it out And it's the hard way But it's the right way the right way to break in a glove. That was a song 
that actually did humanize Evan, that actually did yeah. make you feel for him because you mm-hmm. that's where you get knowledge of Evan's father before so big, so small. Right. Like that's the big number where you get like the picture of what happened with the Hansons. Right. But right way to breaking a glove is actually like of, of all the songs, I think that's the one cut song that I'm like, okay, this didn't need to be there. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, okay. but the scene around right way to breaking a glove reveals so much and it shows mm-hmm. Evan finally getting a father figure like the one yeah. kind he always wanted yeah. and you see it's another aspect of him getting what he wants from the Murphy family yeah um and like I think that song is a great way to open act two and could be like oh yeah like Evan has struggles you actually yes. kind of feel for him mm-hmm. because of that song because of the scene between Larry and Evan yeah yeah, exactly. For me, I go, I would have loved to see an abridged version of the song. I still keep the baseball scene in, in Larry's office, but I would love to have seen the song almost act as almost like Larry's eulogy for Connor. Because mm-hmm. uh, we never see Connor's funeral. We never get to see that. I and mean, we hear that Larry didn't cry at the funeral. And, and, and it would have been great to kind of see an abridged version of the song act as almost like a way of eulogizing yeah connor for for as a, for a father trying to comprehend and understand um uh their their child their their, their child that they lost and there are irrelevant montages galore in this film uh, yes honestly intercut it with moments of like seeing connor's funeral seeing connor yeah. at home seeing like yes show He's singing to Evan, but show his relationship with Connor because Evan, yeah. Larry, is a kind of surrogate son. Yes. In, the, in his grieving process. It's like, yeah. I have a son who actually wants to listen to me. Oh, my God. Yeah. Someone actually would want to throw a baseball around with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I think there was a real missed opportunity by cutting that song. And now the one big song that everybody was up in arms about that they cut, which is Good For You. Which I'm like, can we not just cut the Heidi verse at least? So she could have sung it at the car. Because I'm like, I think it's a great idea that there's this mounting pressure on Evan through this song. And mm-hmm. it's Connor, it's Jared, it's Alana, it's it's Heidi. They're all compounding him. And I'm like, on film, like as a film, you can do so much more with that concept of being in somebody's head. Mm-hmm. Like Connor being in the library, following him around, talking to him as, as he's talking to other people. Like mm-hmm. so much more you could have done with freaking good for you. Yeah, you can't and, do on stage and they just totally cut the number i'm like seriously and one of the few such, numbers that calls them out <laughs> it's such a perfectly chaotic song as well yeah. because evan has put so many balls in the air and at this point in the show he is struggling to maintain to the lie mm-hmm. and good for you is has such a perfect sonic energy to support that energy yeah, yeah. on stage and when you see it it is 
discordant. The lighting is going yeah. all all crazy. Yeah. Uh, like Evan is belting out while everyone mm-hmm. else sings around him and like yeah. they're just whirling around his head. Like you could have done so much with it and you just cut it. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, that's where I'm like missed opportunity for filmmaking. This is where you can have some fun with, with the filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You could have done really good montages. You could have done something to make this a unique moment in the in the film. But they opted out for it because I'm sure they felt it was it wasn't realistic. Because they're like, well, if it's not realistic, we can't do it. It's like you can't do unrealistic things in, in movie musicals. You just have to do you just have to direct them properly to make them fit. Yep. You just have to be able to do that. And they didn't. So yeah. Whew. Yeah, some good material got lost there for sure. All right. So let's get into the last bit, which is uh, our final thoughts. And is this uh, a, movie, a, a movie musical that you would recommend for others to watch? Okay, folks listening at home. Watch this movie if you're feeling too happy. If you need to be taken down a peg and you need to, you, need, you know what? Life is going a little too well for me right now. I need to watch something that's going to make me want to cry. Yeah. I, I, I went to the theaters with a friend to watch this film. Yeah. She cried pretty much the entire film, like start to finish. Good for and there her. were like at least four times where I'm like, okay, I just like started bawling. I'm like, there are four times in the whole, in the whole thing. Yeah. But the whole time I was just sitting there stewing in this, like, oh, I feel just bad. I walked out of the theater. Yeah. And was just quiet because I was processing because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what did I just witness? Yeah. What did I just watch? The show starts off bad yeah. and then it and, gets worse yeah. and then it gets creepy. And yes. then we end on a just sour note of like, yeah. well, yeah, this was all a lie. And mm-hmm. um, nobody's going to pay the price for that. No. Yeah. Um, and also, I think that it was a little unrealistic at the beginning because I felt like the kids were a little too. Right. Like, I know, like, I'm going to swear now. Kids can, be piece, kids can be pieces of shit. Like, I guess yes, they I, can. I remember high school. I remember being bullied. Yeah. But I recall them being a little more passive aggressive about it rather than yes. outright, you know, just. Yeah buckshot of honest mm. truth there's, yeah. if there's one thing i remember about teenage years honest truth were not things people shared even no. if it was like oh connor like no school school shooter aesthetic i like that no one would say that in an actual high school i don't i don't believe that i believe they're just too avert kids it, it, yeah and kids know they would get detention or whatever for that because te- teachers are on high alert for that type of thing yeah, Kids are now, much more subver- subversive than the way they bully. Now, maybe I'm privileged in that I didn't experience the overt bullying. Right. But I just, I don't remember even witnessing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I remember the bullies from my high school. I saw what they did. I saw how they acted around people. Yeah. I know who they picked on. Yeah. And I never saw them never saw them pairing to people the way the kids in mm-hmm. Evan Hansen's high school did. Like, yeah, I just, I didn't, it was too grim right off the go. Yeah. Yeah, and we we start off at like this low point, like right down here, and we're just gonna go straight through the floor, <laughs> to, yeah. and eventually we're going to hit the core of the earth, mm-hmm. and then we're going to max when you would normally have good for you, 
mm-hmm. to like turn the heat up, but we cut that. So instead, we're just going to find the void. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I go, is this a movie I'd recommend? Not really. I like the singing. Uh, there is some good performances, but I still find the story to be so problematic that I'm like, I don't see how I could in good faith or good conscience, whatever you want to call it, promote this film and say, mm-hmm. you should go out and watch something like this. I'm like, this story is very problematic. And nowadays when people are still much struggling with anxiety and depression, and I don't think this is the right to show people about that um, at all. I'm more inclined to recommend listening to the album. Like the music is good. So I'm more than mm. I'm more than happy to say, go on Spotify and listen to the music. Yeah. Because that is solid. Um, there's even really some of the music. even some of the deleted songs are yeah. pretty good. Which like there's uh if if you look, I know on it's on Apple Music and probably on Spotify, there is like a deluxe Evan Hansen album, and they have Perfect. a bunch of songs that were cut or mm-hmm. were rewritten. Right. And there actually there's some really good ones in there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I think the biggest problem with this is the book in the screenplay or screenplay because it's a movie yeah, like this isn't a solid this isn't a good story to be like go on out and see this uh i would well, want to wait to say watch it at home if you're feeling inclined you want to hear some singing that's yes good. uh i now i will say though looking at the rotten tomato score which is sitting at 33 percent i'm like that's a little bit too low in my opinion i would aim for it more like a 55 to 65 like if Godspell, that god awful movie Godspell, can say that like 75, and that movie's terrible. And Cats is at 19. I'm like, it, this isn't this isn't as bad as Cats, but it isn't as great as, as it could be or should be. So I'm like, it's a 50-50. There are elements that work, elements that really don't. So I, I would say, you know, to me, 33 is a pretty good score right. for it. Maybe yeah. 40. I could I couldn't in good faith say 60. It's six out of ten on IMDB. I'm like, that's a bit much. Maybe a five. Maybe five. Maybe a five. Like that's much. Um yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. a shame because like again, a lot of the performances actually like are good. They're good, but the show mm-hmm. is just it's like someone wrote what they think teenagers are like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're yeah. actually doing, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. Have, have you spoken to a teenager recently? Yeah, exactly. Like, Did you actually not. go and interview people who have social anxiety and depression who are in high school who are going through this? Like, would have been a, like, I would love to know that creative process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, this film is one I'm like, watch it at home if you're feeling really inclined to do that. But I, but, but I would even say, having seen In the Heights, I'm like, I like In the Heights as a film much more than Evan Hansen. But I will say this is definitely a step up from that <clears throat> god-awful Cinderella mo- mo- movie musical that just got redone. I have like, not even chance to watch it because I'm like, no. I don't have the strength. I would watch it only for a Dina Menzel, that is all. Um, yeah, watch her scenes. Her scenes are good. But I'm like, James Corden's in that one too. And I'm like, seriously? We, like, that's the one benefit of this is that no James Corden in this movie musical. This is the one movie musical we've had so far that doesn't have James Corden in it. Although it would have been funny to see James Corden play Evan Hansen. Oh, God. 
maybe he'll do like one of those sidewalk musical things i hope so because honestly i would love to see him like parody evan hanson so hard like <laughs> it would be easy okay it's, evan hanson is already so melodramatic it's so close yeah. to comedy anyways like yes like when your emotions are that high it, all it takes is a yeah. little a little push yeah a little nudge the other direction you're good to go it's a little too tragic to ever be truly funny it would be like oh why are we laughing at this but exactly exactly well i mean we've reached the end of our review listeners viewers on youtube let us know what you think we can't wait to hear your thoughts uh in the meantime everybody uh be sure to check out our patreon page where autumn and i do all types of fun stuff from top 10 lists to theater news commentary to movie musicals commentaries we just did one on west side story over the summer that was a lot of fun uh thank you to mr brody weld for our wonderful theme music check his music out at father flozis on all listening platforms including Bandcamp, spotify apple music listen to my favorite track of his which is home decor where he raps about fatherhood and household furniture during a pandemic uh <laughs> lots of fun there uh, Graham, where can people find and follow you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Instagram999. Uh, yeah, super clever. I know. I'm a writer. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and Facebook at Graham McClelland. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And uh, you can find me at all social media platforms at Mackenzie Horner. Uh, you can follow what I do over at Cup of Hemlock on the Cup of Hemlock pages. Just look up Cup of Hemlock Theater. Uh, check out all the great uh, reviews and, and interviews Graham has been on from Angels in America to um, the Deep Blue uh, Sea, Deep Blue Twelfth, Blue Night. Sea, Twelfth Night. There's quite a few goodies in there. So be sure to check all that out. And until then, everybody, stay healthy, stay safe. And if you are someone who is having uh, thoughts about completing suicide, please do reach out for help. Uh, we there are, There are resources out there. We will put some links in the description uh, for you to take a look at because you are not alone. You are loved. You are cared for. Uh, there's somebody here for you who cares about you. So thank you. All right, everybody, stay healthy, stay safe. Thanks. <laughs>